All right, welcome to the Armchair Commanders podcast. My name is John. And I'm Jack. And this week, we are reviewing the 1953 classic, Stalag 17. And uh, as we always like to start, Jack, what'd you think? This was a fun one. I liked this one. And I I mentioned it to you before, but I'll say it again. This movie was just like watching a summer camp movie. Like, you know, the prisoners were the kids and like the guards were the camp counselors trying to keep them from getting in trouble and yeah, pulling pranks. Are you ready for the summer? <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's definitely kind of a silly movie. Um which is it's interesting considering like there's some like very serious moments in this and like some some like hard moments in it but like it just it kept bouncing back and forth between this like sleuthing like who done it versus uh you know just like childish antics and like just you know very 1950s slapstick comedy which is kind of it's it's made all the more interesting by the fact that like our uh introductory narrator cookie um the guy who has a stutter once every eighth line that he has um he's like you never see any movies about POWs. And it's like, up until this point, yeah, you, you kind of got a point about that there, bud. And then yeah. you go and you make this film, which just makes it seem like, oh, it's it's a happy-go-lucky time in the POW camps. What I mean, we have, we have fun around here. Just a bunch of goobers. It's like... Uh, like one one of the younger guys, he gets like a letter from home, and uh, he's reading his like, and it's from his mom or something like that. And they're like, "We saw a documentary the other day about how you guys have ice rinks and tennis courts and all that." And he's like, "Man, I I wish I'd known about that. Like <laughs> where?" <laughs> but that's very much the 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 kind of vibe we get from this film is like. They keep talking about how like shitty being in a POW camp is, but like every five minutes they do something that's like, ha, that looks like a blast. <laughs> yeah, oh. and the chessboard, which plays a huge plot point. They like never play <laughs> they never play chess. Why <laughs> like it's a major plot point. You I would think they would do it more often or do something a little more clever but i swear like two of them were playing it in the background of one scene but imagine if one of them dropped the queen and it opened <laughs> what in the fuck is this i i'm just curious why they didn't question like why is this the one nice thing we have in here <laughs> hey who keeps tying up the light <laughs> man so what was uh what was your favorite character in this film god who is that guy that kept coming in from mail call and what was his like little catchphrase annies 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 there there it is yeah and they'd always say it and uh that and who is the bearded guy that went on the shenanigans with the other guy with the paint to get to the Russian women's camp. Oh, animal and uh, God, what was the other guy's name? Harry but Shapiro. The the ladies back home just miss old Sugarlift Shapiro, and then they then when you see his mail, it's all late car payments. Man, that really that particular moment in the movie actually kind of hit me in the feels because like think about that 
you know, you have guys who have been there for years. several months, several months, years, whatever. They're they're literally living in a prison camp. And you know, they like literally every single guy in there is just they want some sort of like reassurance or some sort of comfort from home. And here's this guy who gets fucking 12, you know, late payment notices. And then, oh, your car got fucking repoed. Thanks, war hero. Like, right. I'm that just like that hit hard, man. Yeah, man. It makes makes you wonder, like, how many people did that actually happen to? And because it's it's something that's like I think is very rarely hit on in movies or war films. Like, I I felt the same way like in the Band of Brothers series when uh, one of the characters I think it was like Nixon he gets a letter from home that like his wife is divorcing him. Yeah, and taking like, the dog. She takes yeah. a dog. <laughs> There's a goddamn dog. It's my dog. <laughs> like. Like getting divorced, kids are gone. Like, yeah, that's stressful, but he's dealing with it. Then he reads the sentence about the dog, and that's what pushes him over the edge. Yeah, that, like, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. Like those are like those are the real, like, real moments that I love in films. Like it, it makes you actually connect to those characters. My man just wanted some what was it, German whiskey that he was obsessed with throughout the show. German whiskey. I swear there is some something about him wanting whiskey, and he can't get it, so he just keeps drinking whatever. Oh, the the little uh, fuck, what was it? Still, the like the grain alcohol still that they have set up. No, I'm talking about Band of Brothers. Well, Nixon was like obsessed. With oh, him. okay. Different tangents. Yeah, Vat 69. But yeah, and there was also the little still that one hustler dude set up. That one dude, our main character, Sefton. Well, yeah, okay, the not the not stooly. Which I've never heard that phrase before. Oh my god, they use that word so many times in this movie. <laughs> yeah, they do. Come on, tell us who the stoolie is. <laughs> stoolie. Stoolie. Also, I just looked it up. The uh, The mailman character is literally called Marco the Mailman. <laughs> I don't think his name is said ever. They, I could have sworn his name was Addies. I loved how he had that like, that like nasally transatlantic like accent. It's like just in case you didn't know that this movie is supposed to be set in the 40s, we're going to have a <laughs> fast-talking man like this. Yeah. Yannies. I'm curious. So he has his look, like, he, like it seems like everybody has a sidekick in this film. So Which like Shapiro. Right? Like Shapiro has uh, Animal as his sidekick. Sefton has Cookie, the, the stuttering guy, as his. And then uh, Marco the Mailman has the one-legged dude that follows him around Oh, yeah, everywhere. smuggles shit with his stump. I'm surprised the Germans didn't, like, after the whole radio thing, didn't just, like, pat him down every day to see if there's something in his pant leg. <laughs> Man, how much do you think I could smuggle with my amputation? <laughs> uh, maybe, like, two chiclets. <laughs> half of a joint <laughs> i don't know stuff that i probably could have smuggled easily elsewhere on my body regardless of my toes <laughs> yeah why would you want to smuggle anything near your toes that just sounds like not to make a commentary on your feet specifically i'm just saying feet in general are gross i don't know so a lot of people would disagree with you i know i know but, the, but that demographic are weirdos. I don't care if I alienate some of our listeners with that hot take. <laughs> you know, not to yuck anybody's yum, what I will say is like, <laughs> like, 
here's what I'll say. say I personally, it. I personally don't understand the like foot fetish thing. However, like in the realm of fetishes, it's not the worst one. So you do you. Yeah, yeah. I guess you do you, but man. <clears throat> I reserve my right to an opinion. Yeah. I wonder... I wonder how bad that alcohol was. Oh, I'm sure it probably tasted like turpentine. And Yeah, just fucking rot gut vodka. Not that I have a lot of experience drinking turpentine, but... When, t- when my mom was a girl, she accidentally drank turpentine. Which explains a lot about me, really. <laughs> I was going to say, that uh, that accounts for a few things. <laughs> Some- when I touch a certain soft spot in my head, sometimes I can't count right. <laughs> I'm still working on shapes and colors. <laughs> It makes me pee my pants. And the they were all officers, correct? Uh, so it was a NCO camp, so they were all sergeants. Gotcha. And they had the one officer who was there for like a brief period of time until they found a place to put him. Until, what he, I... until he dimed himself as a terrorist. Well, I'm. He's not a ter- colorful language. It was. He's not a, a terrorist. Saboteur. I, I. He's not even a saboteur. He. He is a uniformed officer in enemy territory. <laughs> he, he he was a combatant. It right, doesn't fine. make him a. It doesn't make him a saboteur. <laughs> but wait, no, he's still a saboteur. Because he commits an act of sabotage, does he not? He attacked a vital piece of infrastructure as any good soldier would when provided the opportunity. But also the way he did it is a very subterfuge-esque way of going about it, like the homemade time bomb. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry that the dude who jumped out of his airplane because it got shot down doesn't have, like, a briefcase full of explosives with him. Pedantics, but still, yeah, he accidentally dimes himself to the stoolie, and then he gets in trouble. Yeah, see, they got me doing it now. I love, like, I don't know what they were trying to accomplish, but... Uh, you know, kind of going back, like, to another great character in this, Sergeant, uh, it was Sergeant Scholes, right? Yes. I don't know, there's so many characters in this fucking film. Let me look. Why, why do they all have to be sergeants? Because... Okay, we're we're going to call him Sergeant Scholes. Um. Anyways, like multiple people on multiple occasions in this film go up to Scholes. Yeah, it is Sergeant Scholes. Um, and they're like, "Come on, tell us who the stoolie is. Tell us, tell us who the spy is." And it's like, no. Do you honestly ex- do you honestly expect that to work? <laughs> I mean, worth a shot. Maybe it was a stretch, but it's like going. To, like, could you imagine if that's how like cops did an interview? Like, come on, you're the serial killer, right? Right? Right. Go. Come on, please. Like, no, that shit isn't how that works. But I, I love Shoals as a character in this. Just like every bit the stereotype for um like a german and like it goes back to the whole like that like summer camp vibe you were giving um 
you know, with him, like his, his like one job in life is literally waking these guys up every morning and then like just getting them out of the bunkhouse whenever they need to do their shenanigans. Rouse, rouse! I hope you'll be with us next spring. Hey, who's that bearded woman? Oh, that is my wife! (laughs) Man, he takes a lot of the insults just on the chin, doesn't he? Like, for for a literal Nazi, he, like, laughs along with them. He's like, oh, you guys! Oh, you are funny men. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) ha, ha, ha! You know, who, you, you know who couldn't take a joke was uh, Colonel Hitler. Sherbach. <laughs> I'm sure Hitler couldn't either. No, no, he couldn't. Who is the funny man? Ah, I see. 400 funny men. He took that dude with head trauma's ocarina or whatever it was and chucked it at him. Oh my god, I... I, I, there came a point in this film where I'm like, does this movie have more Ocarina playtime than The Legend of Zelda? Like, honestly, I, at, there was a point where I thought he was the stoolie. You thought Joey was the stoolie? Yeah, I thought he was doing this whole play stupid act to pass information on to the commandant. They literally just let him, like, exist. Yeah, and there's like, several points in the film where they like openly talk about shit that should be kept secret and he's just there and they're like oh this is just joey he doesn't give a shit no that's a that's a fair guess but who is your least favorite character in this hmm (sighs) see i didn't want to like septon because, like, even, like, we, we as the audience knew he wasn't the stoolie, right? But there are still several instances, like the whole betting on your friend's life thing as they attempted to escape the camp and, like, openly dealing, making deals with the guards and, like, buying shit from them and hoarding shit for yourself. Which, yeah, I shouldn't judge a POW because I've never been in their shoes and hopefully I never will be. But fuck, that 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 does seem a little bit shady, does it not? And yes, he does oh. have his big damn hero moment near the end. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, no, he he doesn't do himself any favors for getting people to like him. Um, which to like to a certain degree, you can understand. Like, he's he's doing his own thing to make his stay in this shitty place bearable. But, like, at what cost, my guy? But at what cost, indeed. Also, like, he... I think he does, like, one of the single most stupid things in this movie, which is everybody thinks you're the stoolie, right? Like, people didn't like you to be going with, and now they think you're the guy that's diming them out. And your response to it is to turn your back on this group of people and then lay down in your bunk. Like, how fucking stupid do you have to be? Like, how do you not know you were about to get your ass beat? At that yeah, point? right. Even I knew that was coming. I mean, we it's all got to go to bed sometime. Yeah, no. Like, it. it's not lights out yet. Like, I'm just done with this conversation. I'm going to turn my back on you and lay in bed. <laughs> and then the unsurprising happens. And then they, party. yeah, and then they walk in on him like giving a shitload of cigarettes to the commandant. The Schulz, Schulz, tell me, Schulz, you can have four hundred cigarettes. Just tell me who the stoolie is. Okay, the cigarettes that I could buy with my massive prison warden wages <laughs> that I can go out and just buy. Well, like, well. I don't know how bad the rationing was, so maybe they were a bit harder. I don't know. Me. Mm. Nah. I don't know. The character, despite his little flaw there, the character that I actually despise the most, uh, 
was the guy who did the impressions who came in with the, the lieutenant and it's not because he does anything that is actually bad it's just it's very 1940s 1950s movie logic where it's like ah you see bill over there he does impressions and that's his one character trait and that's the only thing we ever see him do in this movie is like shitty little impressions of people because at least they're amusing yeah but like every other character like even if they are you know kind of stereotypes of other characters we see in films at least they're their own thing like the lovable oaf or the the huckster um but the impressions guy has no personality himself he just makes silly little voices i see i mean yeah i mean i thought he was amusing but yeah i see where you're you're coming from although i will say it did make for a great moment with animal where he's like "Ooh, do gable and he does a clark uh a clark gable impression he's like grable not gable and just like bursts out crying (laughs) uh that part when his buddy tries to make him feel better and like gives himself fake tits and a wig to make himself look like her and then dances with him i thought they were gonna start fucking (laughs) that was that was like a really long scene just a tad bit uncomfortable and i mean i can only hear the lyrics to i love you so many times before it starts becoming a little haunting oh i love you three words what john yeah if we were in a prison camp together and i was going insane with lust for i i don't know some female celebrity and we our little uh bunkhouse had a little holiday dance would you dress yourself up as said woman and dance with me to make me feel better and break me out of my funk who is said woman that i am impersonating i i i don't know billy eilish i don't i don't know if i've got the 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 necessary goods to pull off of Billie Eilish, but you know, after two what... years in a prison camp, I wouldn't care. <laughs> you know what? I'll I'll sing. I'm the bad guy to you. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> Duh. Duh. Did it? Did it? Did it? Did it? Yeah, I pretend to be Billie Eilish for you. Hell yeah that what that even though that scene was kind of uncomfortably long what i will say is that it brings up it's it's another great moment of like a real like like a real moment that makes you think about like what these guys are going through which is guys that have been in this camp for months or years who haven't had any kind of interaction with a female for that amount of time like are just looking for some sort of normalcy and they're like they're just slow dancing with each other to like just to capture that moment of being at home for a couple of minutes where it's like yeah i'm i'm dancing at christmas and also it it's interesting to me because it points out like kind of a difference in um like socializing ver- from the 40s from today like obviously like we still have dance clubs and all that stuff today but like going out on the town to go dancing with like a pretty girl was like was like its own little thing in the 40s like so much so that there's like you had an entire business model like you you ever heard like my dance card is full no oh it's a it was a common expression but my dance card is full was it's often used to say like i'm busy or like i'm booked up but there's literally like in the 30s and 40s there were dance halls where like you could go there you'd pay your 50 cents and you'd get like you know so many 
like minute or two long or two minute long like dances and like every time you went and danced with a new partner they like punch the card saying like okay you only got five dances left hmm i didn't know that yeah it was like like just kind of going into that whole like swing dance and jazz dancing culture like it, it was it was an interesting time i just i'm trying to imagine like a pow war film like a hundred years from now where a, bu a bunch of dudes are like bumping grinding on each other hell yeah ain't nothing wrong with a little bump of grind hot but i mean going to that whole like seeing as we're on the topic of dressing up as billy eilish and dancing with dudes um there was one part of this film that i felt did not age very well and i i think we can probably you can probably guess what part i'm talking about perving on the russian women yeah i don't like the scene where they're at like the barbed wire line and they're like catcalling these uh russian pow women i totally i'm not saying it's right but i like i get that where it's like they're so deprived of this particular aspect of their life that they would do something like that yeah but when like when we transition to i'm charging a cigarette for 20 seconds of looking through a telescope it's like is is 1950s hollywood really promoting being a peeping tom here or yes also can someone tell me how to make a telescope out of coffee cans i i'm genuinely curious from an engineering standpoint how that works where'd they say they got the lens from because they do mention that oh i don't remember but i just <laughs> that was like the most cockamamie it it looked like something you would see on like codename kids next door just like the most silly <laughs> they're two by four technology everything's two by four technology in a pow camp <laughs> god actually wait yeah i will say though it it did introduce me into a great like like descriptor like have you ever like been in a conversation with a person and they they say something and it kind of like makes like like they they comment on somebody's body and you're like man that's kind of kind of gross of you man hey hey dp what is the kids next door movie a war movie no well mm, well <laughs> no well <laughs> see i got you let's let's circle back around to that later we can discuss it but <laughs> um but someone made a comment about one of the women in this movie that i was like god that is a clever fucking uh like descriptor and they're like look at her she's built like a brick kremlin i'm like ha communism joke <laughs> it's funny because she's russian right this woman that almost assuredly has lost a family member or loved one to the war already. That we're making comments about her <laughs> idly. Uh, didn't age well, but you know, it's no, just, no. It's, 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 it's the time period and the context. Back when like HR wasn't a thing. Nope. Sexual harassment was, uh, just a mild inconvenience, not against the law. It was graded, not punished. Oh my god. So what was your uh, your favorite deception of the Germans? Them fucking painting a line on the ground and like not even asking the dude. They just like gave a hand sign like open, open it up already. Let's just get this over with. And then the dude does. <laughs> and then they like, paint all the way to the women's shower. I'm like, ladies, ladies, ladies. And they actually get away with it to a point. I'm amazed and they weren't shot. I loved when the German guard comes running up to them. They pulled like a three stooges moment where they just like 
paint his face with the fucking paintbrush and run away. Yeah, it's like that. I'm amazed they weren't shot for doing that. And then the the kooky Germans, they just tripped in the mud. Oh, Hogan! <laughs> you, have you ever seen the TV no. show Hogan's Heroes? No. I knew you were going to bring that up. No, I haven't. Are you at least familiar with it? Yes. Though? I know the pre the pre premise from eyes. Premise, yeah. Premise. So yeah, this film inspired that TV show. It was a very popular it? TV show. It did. Oh. Um, so much so, not like purposely, mind you, or wasn't intentional, but so much so that the producers of Stalag 17 actually sued the production company of Hogan's Heroes for basically ripping off their idea. Hey, hey, Griffin. Yeah, it's a secret tunnel, like from Hogan's Heroes. Big Wolf, want to fight about it? Instead of Stalag 17 and Hogan's Heroes, they're in Stalag 13. Really? Plausible deniability right there. Yep, there we go. Expert film writing. And let me guess, the commandant is named uh, Commandant Schultz with a T. No, he was Colonel Clink. <laughs> oh, man. It's, if they had balls. <laughs> that would have been hilarious. They were just as bad about the like use of ger like the German language between the show and this film. Although I I loved all of the like the all of our characters making fun of the German language. Like <laughs> like when Scholz goes to wake him up, he's like, Raus, Raus, he's like Hey Scholz, sprechen Sie Deutsch? Yeah, yeah. Then drop is he dead? <laughs> Such a kidder. Or, uh, I don't know about you, but bar none, my single most favorite scene in this movie is, uh, God, and I hate it because I said he was my least favorite character. Uh, our, <laughs> like, everybody in the barracks is, uh, like they do themselves up in like uh, little Hitler mustaches, and our guy who does the impressions is standing in the front of this group, and he's reading from Mein Kampf because they decided to give copies of Mein Kampf out in the prison camp, <laughs> and he's like, "The Americans are kaput. Everything is gesundheit," <laughs> and then like. Gesundheit! Everything is Gesundheit! And uh, at this moment, Scholz walks in. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, about this! Aren't we all good little Nazis? Yeah! <laughs> they all have the little Hitler stash. It's just, it's so over the top in how they're mocking him. And I'm like, how did they not get their asses beat for this? Or the yeah, or executed. I the Nazis killed people for far, far less. Oh, absolutely. the The other funny part about it is, so I was watching this a few days ago, or actually, I watched it on Christmas because I I actually watch this film every December. It's it's kind of my Christmas movie. My, yeah, it's my Christmas movie. Some people have Die Hard. I have Stalag Seventeen. Um, Anywho, it was right about this time that Miranda, like, sh she was doing some crochet things because that's what she was doing for Christmas presents for people was, like, crochet blankets. And uh, she had only been, like, in and out paying attention to the film as we were going through it. And right at the, like, everything is gesundheit scene, she, like, looks over at me and she's like, Hey John, can you make us Jaeger schnitzel tomorrow? And I was like, "Fucking what?" <laughs> She's like, "I don't know. I just for some reason I'm craving it now." I'm like, "It wouldn't happen to do anything with this film that's been using German words for an hour and a half now." Maybe. <laughs> and like, as soon as I pointed that out to her, it just like clicked in her brain. She's like, "Oh." <laughs> I mean, of all what's your so she didn't walk in on any 
problematic or questionable things like she's wont to do. Yeah, this is the first time uh, she hasn't walked in on like a problematic scene. Interesting. Which, honestly, I don't... Aside from the Peeping Tom scene, uh, there's not really anything in this movie that's like really all that terrible. Yeah, I suppose you're right there. I mean, that's one scene where they all just whip their dicks out in front of the camera, maybe. <laughs> Man, the Motion Picture uh, Rating Association had way different standards back in the day. Also, also that part at the end where they save that dude from going to the SS... And by state by lighting off that smoke, oh Jesus, <clears throat> smoke bomb, and then whisking him away into the water tower where he stayed for several Probably. hours. I, I'd say I'd say like ten hours would be a good guess. I was gonna go with twelve even, but they just uh, stash a long ass time. They stash him up there for hours where he's waist deep in cold ass water in December in Europe. And yeah, he does have that little part where my legs are cold. Dude, I would not be able to fucking walk, let alone run away from a camp after that. Well, we see him trip a couple of times, but I, I totally agree with you. It's like, there's no way you should be capable of walking. Also, I'm pretty sure you should have like, frostbite and or hypothermia oh, yes. at this point yes you're dead <laughs> the human the body other... is not meant for this the other part of that scene that bugged me was like so preceding that they talk about how they get a, a visit from the geneva man so a guy from the geneva convention to make sure the camp's up to up to snuff and the one thing that kind of amused me there's two parts to this the first part that amused me was like they handed out a bunch of blankets uh, beforehand because they're like, the Geneva man's coming. We got to make good impression. And it's like, you guys are actively exterminating thousands of Jews every single day. Like, what do you care about the Geneva convention? <laughs> yeah, I was confused about that myself. The second part that confused me is like it's it's a well-established thing in this film that like they don't have a lot you know they have shitty clothing they don't have enough blankets they get their like stove taken away they get meager rations like there's literally a scene where a guy is like spooning out soup and he's like anybody want any more he's like okay and then he immediately turns the potato soup into his fucking laundry water um and somehow, and, and granted, I totally see this as just like, you know, bureaucracy being what it is. Like somebody's like, oh yeah, we'll, we'll send them thousands upon thousands of ping pong balls. But who in the Luftwaffe, and especially at this camp, was like, you know what? They have literally nothing, but you know what we can give them? Fuck it. Let them have thousands of ping pong balls. What's the worst I could have? Like, well, like, you see the... Well, you see the beer, see the beer pong league had to go forward. Ah, uh, yes, they were they were getting ready for uh, Oktoberfest. You see, Jonathan, they couldn't have made the smoke bombs without the ping pong balls. Ergo, let's send them ping pong balls. I know, I know. But MacGyver said shit out of this. I know it's a convenience of plot thing, but but yeah, yeah, but for real though, bureaucracy. I was just like, what? you take everything else away from them. Why are you letting them have ping pong balls? Because <laughs> what are they going to do with ping pong balls? Make a smoke bomb out of it. Right. And then they'll have Hop Along McGee smoke, uh, smuggle it over. Why is your stump smoking, sir? See, this is what they get for not continuing to search that dude after the radio thing. You think they'd learn. So what did you think about our like ending grand reveal scene where like Sefton does his Sherlock Holmes moment of like, you see, 
They talked like two canaries. Black queen each. Like on the outside, wouldn't could you see where they might interpret this as him trying to save his own ass and trying to frame the other guy? Oh, absolutely. Like, to be fair, though, he put himself in a position where it was either him or Price as the stoolie. But you are 100% correct. Like, if I was in the position of just, like, random guy who lives in that barracks, I would 100% say, like, bro, you're just trying to fuck us over again. Like, you're just trying to divert attention. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you're only, you're only, uh, the only thing he had going for him was, A, he pulls the queen out of the dude's pocket, but, like, sleight of hand, dude. Like, little, little magic trick, and you can make it look like that. So, whatever, but 1940s, fuck it. But secondly, the only other thing that like confirms it is the fact that the dude tries to make a run for it. Like if I was in his shoes, I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me? Are we li really listening to this guy? Yeah. Do you guys not remember two days ago when he was shoving cigarettes into Scholes' hands? That would be a tough pill to swallow, especially... Especially when they've been thinking he's the stoolie for some time. At that point, I don't know, like, okay, let's say you change your opinion about Sefton and you, we get the thing about price right. Why would you still choose Sefton, though? Why wouldn't you choose somebody else? Just, just for the sake of being safe. Exactly. Because I, oh, b because he needed his redemption? Yeah, no. So he could be snarkily right? Yeah, if you see me in public, pretend you didn't. Okay, Dick. Yeah, it was nice knowing you too. The only redeeming quality to that scene is uh, when he tosses the keys to the footlocker to cooking. He's like, you can have the general store now. <laughs> I will say this, this movie did reinvigorate a love for when Johnny comes marching home for me, so... And we'll all drink stone wine when Johnny comes marching home. Great, great ending, by the way, just having Cookie yep. whistle that. I, I don't think there's a better way they could have closed out the film. Oh, absolutely. I also like that they left it ambiguous as to whether those two made it or not. I personally like to think that they did make it. Yeah, me too, but who knows? They certainly have um, better odds than the other people, that's for certain. Oh, yeah. Especially with... Uh, I love that. Also, I only just thought about this again, but like, okay, so we switched our opinion about Sefton, but we are so committed to Sefton's proffered idea that we're going to toss a dude out and let him get killed because of it. <laughs> yeah, and that was like something. Like literally, just just keep them both alive. Sort it out the next morning. Let somebody else do it. Like let somebody else get the LT out of the water tower and run away, and then you can sort this shit out between Sefton and Price in the morning. Yeah. I was all it will take is one of you to do the deed, and then nobody saw anything. That's, of course, assuming that he you know, was stooling, whatever, but still. Bro, what uh, if there was there were two stoolies? Double stoolies? Yeah, man. I, I don't think we could handle double stoolies. Also, it seems weird, like, it makes sense, from an intel gathering thing, but it seems almost like a waste of personnel to insert a stoolie into a prison camp. Yeah, and at this point, weren't the Germans hurting for people? Well, yeah, well, that's like, we see a bunch of people throughout this film, like, like, 
take Schulz. He's an old, out of shape guy working the camp, or the guy that works at the gate that gets paintbrushed in the face. He's like another old dude with glasses. Or take the guy who gets invited to the volleyball game is another like these are guys who are not frontline troops that are at this point in the war because this is taking place during the battle of the bulge because they mentioned the malady massacre um so yes germany is very much hurting for people at this point and something tells me that somebody as combat capable as price probably could have been would not have been placed in a camp for the sake of finding radios. But I might be wrong. Yeah. And they probably did do something in real life. I'm sure that there's something to some degree, but like, I feel like the Germans were much more about the uh, enhanced interrogation techniques as uh, the United States would like to call them than they were about the discreet espionage, AKA torture. Yeah. Pretty sure murder was handed out as a punishment a lot more liberally, too. Yeah. Was the good old days. Yeah, until the liberals ruined everything. (laughs) Sorry, I often make that joke. Until the uh, porcupine media, the, what are they, the Green Party? I thought that was the libertarians that had the pork. There, there we go. The the libertarian media. Damn, no, it was definitely the Green Party that ruined it. Yeah, the liberals or the libertarians are the porcupines. Uh, so what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking one of my usuals, Berry Noir. Nice, I'm pretty nice. sure should. I'm pretty sure I can get Boulevard to sponsor this podcast if I ask really nicely and bat my eyes a couple of times. Make sure to, to stuff your bra and uh, put some straw under your hat. Oh, I'm Make letting the think, girls out to play. Make them think you're Betty Grable. Yep. Holy shit, does Betty Grable want to be our a spokesperson for us? Hmm, let's see. Well, being as she's been dead for 50 years, probably not. Yeah, that's fair. Died July 2nd, 1973. So if you have a Ouija board. <laughs> I don't fuck with Ouija boards. I, I, don't do. need no, I don't need no hauntings in my house. See, this evening I am uh, drinking some McDonald's Coca-Cola just straight it's a school night (laughs) oh yeah yeah i i have to be to work in the morning so i was like i i didn't get as as fun as i usually do oh yeah dude you're barrels of fun (laughs) but now you're a square so fuck you not, now I'm not. Now I'm not going to dress up like Billie Eilish for you. I take I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> I retract my statement. I mean, at I the think... very least, it could have whipped up some jank ass rot gut as they do in this film. <laughs> right. <clears throat> so I think it's uh, about that time to rate this thing. Right. All right. What do you th- what do you think a good uh, one to five metric would be? Russian women. Well, how about homemade? Um, what the hell are those called? Telescopes? Yeah, teles- homemade telescopes. One to five homemade telescopes. Yes. Yeah, that works for me. I give this a four out of five telescopes. Hell, maybe four. Actually, four telescopes, but one of them has a crack through the outer lens. So four and a half. I 
I I love this film. It like I have a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in it. Um, you know, this was actually an award-winning film. Uh, William Holden got best actor in this film for an Oscar. Um, a couple of things didn't age well with it, and it's very much a 1950s film, but I, I still like it regardless. Um, I'm going to give it... Like, my, my biggest issue with it is the downplaying, almost like making the evil of a German POW, POW camp kind of like banal, if you will. It's just... Mm-hmm doesn't sit well with me but like i i still love the film um i'll give it four telescopes and one like beat like busted up telescope so like a four 4.5 all right let's go to rotten tomatoes This movie has a 91% on the tomometer and a 93% audience score. Pretty solid. Yeah. I think the audience score is more apt, though. Yeah, this is a good movie. Definitely recommend. It's, it's, it's worth the time. It, it's definitely like a seasonal. I would recommend watching it November, December timeframe. Maybe even like early January because it's such a heavily like Christmas setting movie, but I, I think it's a good movie. Tis. Well, next week is your turn. What movie would you like? Shit. You know, I didn't really put much thought into this. Um, the outpost, the outpost, the outpost. That's the Afghanistan movie, right? I believe so, yes. All right. The Oot Poost. Works for me. Do you have anything else? This podcast is sponsored by Boulevard. (laughs) Not really, though. It could be for those Boulevard higher-ups listening to this. It definitely could be. Should we start tagging them and shit? You're damn skippy. We should. Anyway, well, that's all I got for this week. Works for me. If you enjoyed this show, please leave a review. The stars do matter. If you'd like additional content from us, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Discord under the Armchair Commanders podcast. Uh, We also have a YouTube channel called History Apprentice. We appreciate a follow over there as well. Um, Until next week, I've been John. And I'm Jack. And we will catch you later. Bye.